Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Everyone sounds fine. Well, you two sound fine. Does my sound okay? You sound fantastic, Sinan. Thank you. I'm three, ready to rip. Three, two, one. Welcome to On the Bench. A very happy signing day to everybody. Um, Florida State is about halfway done now assembling their 2021 class. Yesterday was the start of the early signing period. It runs until the end of the day on Friday. And Florida State signed 15 players, um, 16 if you count transfer quarterback Mackenzie Milton, who was announced yesterday as well. Um, I got Chris Neve with me. I got Brendan Sinone. We are the guys from Knowles 24-7. Uh, Chris, how was your signing day? It was good, man. It, uh, it went smoothly. What we expected to happen, happened. There wasn't anything out of left field that, you know, had you scrambling. And, mm-hmm. you know, it went accordingly. They, you know, they finish up with the number 31 class in the country, number six class in the ACC as things stand right now. Obviously, those numbers can change. Also worth noting that transfers are not factored into that. I would argue that Mackenzie Milton is one of the most important additions for Florida State. So I would say he would impact that if we were doing where you included transfers. I agree with that. Um, I'll I'll let the host host about recruiting. So I'll let you talk about the class. Uh, Well, first of all, Brendan, you did a great job yesterday helping us track down everything. Uh, What's this, like your fifth or sixth signing day with Knowles 24-7? 2016 was my first year it's only been downhill since then for, for the program for me for but you we guys. had fun yesterday right yeah we had fun everyone worked really well as a team chris kind of is the the conductor on signing day but everyone else help, helps out and chases things and uh we have a really good website on, on these type of days that makes me happy it's the reason why i came to Knowles 24 7 because you guys are really good at covering recruiting yeah we had a good time yesterday um before we get into what remains because that's kind of what the the body of this podcast will be about is is what FSU still needs moving forward in the class of 21 to finish it out but before we get into that you guys were able to um talk with the coaches was it via zoom everything after signing days yeah. well we only we actually only spoke with Norvell and that was around three o'clock yesterday prior to that from two to three they had a little signing day show hosted by former Florida State Seminole and Pittsburgh Steeler Bryant McFadden who now works in our realm in the media realm BMAC brought a nice personal touch and feel to it as a former Noel, so it was kind of an enjoyable show to watch. That opened up with David Johnson, recruiting coordinator, talking with him, and that was a little bit more of an overview of the whole class and what they intend to do going forward. Then he spoke with defensive coordinator Adam Fuller, went over each position, offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, same, and then Mike Norvell, who kind of gave, again, more of a broad view of everything at the end, kind of spoke about recruiting in a COVID-restricted year and what they're going for and how they kind of went about constructing this group of 16 additions. That was really cool and well-produced. BMAX, a friend of the podcast, he's been on a few times, but I, I thought it was a it was a cool way to utilize, like they, they couldn't really 
just the format of having all the guys talk about players. There's no signing day party or anything like that. So they really maximize what they, they could do. And we'll share some of those little like nuggets and tidbits that the assistant coaches dropped, I guess, as we go down position by position here. But it was informative and entertaining for, for the recruiting diehards. And you guys also have quotes up on Knowles 24-7 from the coaches. You guys have stories up on Knowles 24-7. So much more in-depth on the website if you guys need to find that there. Um, we want to move on and kind of talk about what FSU still needs to add in this class. Uh, they, they have space for about nine to ten more additions. Um, that could be recruits. That could be transfers. The roster will look very different than it does today. We know that. Um, but let's go position by position, talk about what they added and what still remains. So let's start at quarterback. We'll start there. Kenzie Milton is the big name. Um, we've reported on Knowles 24-7 that they're not going to sign another quarterback this cycle. You guys, you guys believe that? Is, that? is that the thought moving forward? Yes. Yeah, if that room remains as is with Purdy, Tate, and uh, Jordan currently in it with the addition of Milton, I don't expect them to bring in a fifth body. Right. That, that is a dynamic that some people have asked about, like, oh, how are the other quarterbacks handling the news of McKenzie Milton you know, coming in to be a graduate transfer and presumably the starter, Mike Norvell, Kenny Dillingham have addressed that, that they talked to all these guys ahead of time. Uh, my understanding is, like, there were some, like, eyebrows raised in that room uh, when, mm. when McKenzie Milton was added, but nothing, like, alarming. I think that's natural for competitors to be like, oh, so we're, we're kind of changing things up here. Uh, but I don't anticipate that being an issue long-term for Florida State or even short-term. I don't think it's an issue at all. Running back. FSU did not sign one yet in the early period. Um, we think FSU would like to at least sign one. I think ideally that one would be Katravian Hargrove, the four-star running back out of Louisiana. Katravian Hargrove told us uh, earlier this week that he's not going to sign until February. So he's not a name that we're watching during the early period, but I think he's, he's the most important name on the running back board going forward. Um, if it's not Katravian Hargrove, does FSU just go to the portal, Chris? Well, I mean, there's some guys. There's Byron Cardwell out west who they've been involved with, but uh, other teams have gotten involved recently there, like Notre Dame, that have made it a much more crowded field. Plus, it's difficult to see a kid crossing the entire country to come to FSU when he has other options in between. Um, and then there's a kid in Jersey whose name escapes me at the moment. I know they've kicked the tires and kind of taken a look at him. I think there's a lot of backs that fall in that category for them. So I think we could see movement. I think it's fair to say FSU's kind of been the pole position team with Hargrove's recruitment for much of it. Um, they're kind of the constant. They're in it in the three that he listed, which was FSU, Penn State, South Carolina. FSU's the one I would say is doing the best job that he has the most connection with, that's most active with him out of those three. I'm not sure he would have been take for Penn State. South Carolina obviously just had a staff change. So I think Hargrove's a guy that we feel decently confident about entering supply and demand season. Mm hmm uh, real quick, do we want to kind of – I can keep score for us and say how many we think they're going to try to add to that position group and try to make it work within that 9 to 10 limit. So do we yeah, think yeah so we're currently at one. That's one. One? All right. I think they could go, like, with a second one if it's, like, a gadget, someone who feels like the wide receiver need, which we're going to get to as well. So I would say one to two. Uh, yeah, personally. I would say FSU needs at least one. Yes, I think so. Talk about needs. I think if they were able to grab a second back – and, and he was a, a, a good addition to the roster where he improves the talent, then I think, yeah, there's room for a second. But I think when we talk about needs, I think it's, it's at least one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, right. they'll have Corbin Wren, Toe Philly, Douglas, right, Sheffield, right. Sheffield Ward, 
or like six guys in that room next year. The first four are the guys that are really the core of it. At the top, it's Corbin and Toe of Philly. So if you got another guy who can compete in that segment, those top two, I think that's where you look for. Yeah. Real real quick on LaDamian Webb exiting the program. I know we talked about him entering – well, we talked about him opting out, and then he entered the transfer portal, which we didn't talk about because he ended up committing to Troy, uh, like, what, the next day, the same day? So he's next no longer day. on – no longer with the program. I was going to say he's no longer on the roster. He's still technically listed on FSU's official roster, but he's moving on to Troy. Did that, that didn't bother me as much as the day he opted out with that kind of cryptic text. And, and I think it's partially because he kind of realized like he's moving closer to home, wanted to be a more expanded role. Like I didn't think as, it didn't seem as big of a blow culturally to me as, as maybe initially when he first kind of indicated that, that maybe he was looking to move elsewhere. No, I was told when he hit the portal that he was he was leaving and that he was likely headed to Troy, Southern Miss, Memphis, or uh, another small school. So Alabama State, maybe Alabama State, something like that. Um, so it was clear that you know Katravian was just going to get more touches. And but uh, Ladamian, sorry, that's all right. Katravian, come come to Florida State, and we'll give you touches. Ladamian wanted more touches. I'm not going to fault a kid that you know, just wants the ball more. He was willing to go down a level to get those touches. So good for him. Let's move on to wide receiver. Uh, we know this position's a priority for FSU. They only signed one wide out during the early period, and that was three-star Joshua Burrell. Um, FSU still has a chance between now and tomorrow at 2 p.m. to reel back in wide receiver Malik McLean back on board. I have my crystal ball put on Ole Miss. All signs point to, to the Rebels right now. I don't really have a reason to change my crystal ball from Ole Miss to FSU. All the, we've reported on, on Knowles 24-7 is that FSU remains in contact with Malik McClain. Um, there's rumors of optimism going all around, but I think it's just based on, on our report that, that these two sides are talking. Um, Chris, I know you haven't put in a crystal ball pick in for Malik McClain yet, but do you think FSU has a good chance to get him back tomorrow? No, I believe it will be Old Miss tomorrow. And checking on receivers last night, I still think Old Miss is going to potentially bring in two more, both of whom are FSU targets. Yeah, the other being Juco wide receiver Quay Davis. Um, he picked up an Old Miss offer yesterday afternoon. Uh, I put in a, a crystal ball pick for Old Miss because that's one. When Quay Davis hit our radar about a week ago, 10 days ago, whenever he picked up an offer from FSU, I got a good Juco source that told me from the get-go, like, if, if Old Miss offers – that's where he's going to go. Um, we, we watched Ole Miss through the weekend. They did not offer. Uh, it didn't look like they were going to offer until signing day when it all happened. And um, he still hasn't made his decision yet. He's going to announce that on Saturday. Yes, yeah, Saturday. Yeah, that's a plan. So the so Juco's – yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was going to just transition. FSU currently has seven scholarship wide receivers on the roster. That includes Warren Thompson, who I think all three of us are of the opinion, probably not going to be part of the roster next year unless there's a major turnaround. I was told that he left a practice recently and has not returned since. Uh, someone else has confirmed that with me since. FSU is not confirmed, but yeah, we're not, uh, we're not anticipating returning at this point. Veterans Keyshawn Helton, who's still bouncing back from that injury. Pokey Wilson. Jordan Young's kind of an in-the-middle guy who's really never done much of anything here. Then you got the freshman, Tron, Darian Williamson, and B-Rob, who's been in her, Brian Robinson. So, you know, we're talking roughly five dependable guys right now in that room, and that's including freshmen who have yet to really do much, but you expect them to still be part of the program going forward. Most programs want to carry 
10 to 12 receivers, especially one that likes to pass it a lot and likes to spread it out a lot. Now, FSU will use a lot of guys, but what I'm getting at is receivers a major need. If you had to circle major needs going forward, it's one of the main ones. Norvell on the record yesterday said they would like to add three more, I believe was the number. I think it was fairly definitive about that number three. I think they would like to add at least one, if not two, that can be in here for the spring. So that means transfer possibilities, which right now, you know, maybe a guy like Andrew Parchment, who's out there, we're not sure how much FSU's involved there, but we do believe FSU's at least kicked the tires. But he's one of many. Drew Estrada, who ended up signing with Baylor, is a prior example. Mm-hmm. High school ranks, a guy like McLean's a great one because he's a mid-year enrollee, but we don't think they're going to land that. Not a whole lot of other high school options still lingering out there that can get in here by January. Yeah, not by January. But there is the big prize that's still lingering out there, which Destin is four-star Hill. wide receiver Destin Hill. Yeah, but he's not a mid-year guy, so he's not Correct. helping spring. But we still feel good about FSU with Destin Hill, even though all of the weirdness that's been included in that recruitment. Mm-hmm. Juco ranks is probably somewhere we see him at least comb over it again, you know, especially if Quay, quah, for you, Sinone Burns goes to Old Miss, and we still see FSU pursue somebody there. You know, I, th- I think we're going to see some names emerge there, possibly, especially mid-year and rolly type. So I think what I'm getting at is they want three. I think they would like at least one, if not two, that can be in here for the spring and help them out in those practices. Uh, one thing to add to that, Chris, and maybe you could help me recall, I think it was Norvell who said when he when he did talk about the three wide receivers, because Yak talked a little bit about numbers as well. But there was almost a timeline that Norvell kind of put on some of like when they wanted to add some of the guys. Like they said, maybe some later this week, maybe some in January, maybe some in February. So that kind of starts painting the picture of who they think or kind of like the, the ranks of where they're getting these guys, right? Yeah, and when they were talking, I don't know if they knew at that point that Barnes had been offered by Ole Miss because I think Davis, that happened. Roughly. Davis. Sorry, I keep saying Barnes. Yes. At least I know it's at least it's Qua Davis. What are you what are you connecting Barnes to him for? I don't know. I'm not sure why. That just happened in my mind, but I definitely <laughs> did it like at least twice. In Davis's case, so that offer came about an hour before they started doing that whole media gamut. So who knows if they yeah, you know right. the people that were speaking that truly knew about that. So Probably I think that's not. one referencing. I think McLean's another guy, and we all know that one's sort of a toss-up at best is another guy they were referencing. So I didn't take that as like stone cold biblical truth that they are getting another guy here in the next 48, 72 hours. I think they're certainly trying to get another guy in here before January 5th or so when the spring semester gets going. It's just yeah. tough if you're going to put out, well, if you're going to say we still think we're going to get, could get a couple more, waiting on a few more in the next 72 hours here, and, and we all know what's going to happen on Saturday if the, for the fan base if they don't add any more. Yeah, but well, we all know what the fan base will do no matter what. But I, I, I didn't take it I didn't take it as like a stone cold lock. I know some people probably did. I did not. I took it as we are certainly still pursuing guys that we are trying to get in here and we feel like we have a chance of getting in here. Well, I think fans like to think that um, instead of the coaches scrambling behind the scenes trying to recruit guys, the fans like to put in their heads that Mike Norvell is speaking in code and he already has these guys silently committed and he's just waiting to pop them out. He's fairly right like, to me, if, if – I don't know. Let's move on. Let's not waste time on it. But I, I think Norvell is a very direct person. I don't think that he is trying to be misleading. I think they do have some optimism, and they're certainly trying to fill spots in a short window. Let's move on to offensive line. Florida State signed two in the early period. Four-star offensive tackle Rod Orr, the six foot seven, 296-pound big man from Gadsden, Alabama – 
uh, pen to paper. He's not an early enrollee, but it was a very important signee because he locks himself in. Uh, we know Auburn was sniffing around. There's a couple other programs like Missouri as well. But it's a big addition for Coach Atkins. He also signed Eagles landing Christian uh, three-star center Bryson Estes. He's out of McDonough, Georgia. Estes has been committed, uh, I think, since early summer, late spring. Um, those are the two that signed. And then there's one other that is dangling out there, Kimo Macanoli. He's an offensive guard from Niceville, a three-star prospect. He did not sign during the early period. Um, kind of weighing his options a little bit, if we're going to be honest. Uh, there were some rumors that maybe he'll sign something in the next day or two, but it does not look like that's going to happen, does it, Chris? Uh, in checking with an assistant coach at Niceville on Tuesday, he did not expect him, and talk, and he had talked about Chemo and Chemo's father. He did not expect him to sign in the early period. I, I think Chemo's a kid who wants to do some of the recruiting process, and because Niceville was in the playoffs up until last weekend, he was not really able to do much of that. What, is, what, what does he want to do in the recruiting process? see what other schools come along, yeah. entertain other schools. LSU is the one that's out there right now that's been real active with him. But I think he's also interested to see, you know, January, who else might come calling. I think so too, because we, it's hard for us to get a straight answer on whether or not he's a take for LSU. Um, a lot of people that I talk to think that LSU is just kind of keeping him warm to see if he can, you know, extend his recruitment into January. Uh, this is a move that we saw FSU do when they had the leverage with a lot of recruits, but um, right now they don't. So you got Kimo McAnoli, who did not sign with FSU. Um, I know a lot of fans want to think, well, if he doesn't sign with FSU, who's his replacement? It's not, it's not like a black and white thing. If FSU loses Kimo, who's a guard, they don't necessarily need to replace him. They might replace him. It would probably be with somebody in the, within the transfer portal, but I don't think FSU is going to say we we must have another guard in this 21 class. You agree? Yeah, I mean, looking at the roster, they'll probably have six to seven guard interior types back next year. So that's a two deep at those spots. Their need is tackle. Right. They, they need an experienced tackle, and I think they go to portal to get that. I don't think there's a guy in high school ranks right now who makes sense for them unless somebody backs off somewhere. Mm -hmm. And Juco-wise, you know, we've kicked the tires. We've dealt with a lot of offensive tackles in the Juco ranks that they've, you know, kind of checked out on, had to do questionnaires, stuff like that. There's nobody there that I point to. So I think it's going to be somebody that comes open from another program. So moving forward at the offensive line position, I agree with you, but I also think that Florida State could kick the tires on a on a uh, – on a project offensive tackle from the high school ranks. Um, I know there's some whispers of potentially taking like a, a converted tight end, somebody that has the measurables, maybe needs to add some more weight. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't rule that out between now and February, but I think most importantly, they must land a transfer offensive tackle. Um, it, it allows them so much flexibility on the offensive line moving forward. Um, you got guys that you could move around if you secure a starting offensive ta a starting left tackle more specifically. Um, yeah, FSU would like to land another high school one, but it looks like Rod Orr will probably be it, and then they'll hit the portal for more. So you think, what, two plus chemo at offensive line? Ideally. I think they would take chemo and add two tackles. I think if chemo goes elsewhere, I think between now and signing date, they, they try to add those two tackles. 
And then if they need a guard, there's going to be so many guards in the transfer portal between now and August. It's not a problem. So between that receiver and running back, that's six to seven. Do we want to mm-hmm. call the offensive line two to three or just straight up three right now? for me? I'd go two to three. I'd say two to three. So the low line of what we have for three positions right now through offense, we still have tight end, but we have six to six to eight right now on offense so mm-hmm. split the difference goes seven that would push fsu to 23 johnson referenced the number as 25 yesterday we actually believe the number could end up being 26 based on some of what we've been told so you're talking three to four spots on the other side of the ball we don't think they're taking a specialist based on doing some checking i'm interested to see if that might change if the kicking room gets changed up at all do we feel that they're done at tight end let's just wrap up the offensive side of the ball real quick yeah they got jackson west stopped chris from getting ahead of himself adorable we got jackson west who's a three-star and we have kobe gross who's also a three-star coming in at tight end um i think they're done there once we saw kobe gross inc i think i think they're done i don't think they have room for another tight end you guys agree if they can yeah, get, I like, think... a badass, maybe, but in the transfer portal, I don't think that's a need. I think that's a luxury. Right. Yeah, I think I Jordan think... Wilson coming back, being is healthy, getting a second year, is sort of the third guy in that class. Because at one point, we thought they were going to sign three. Mm-hmm. But, like, River Helms backed off of Georgia Tech. I did checking on that. Are you going to circle back on him? No. I've not gotten any indication at any point that they're truly pursuing another tight end. And that's been right. true for several weeks. Jim Jackson yeah. West, I'm really high on. Like, I think he – He's probably one of my two or three favorite guys in the class. I expect him to have a chance to, to play early. He's a talented player. All right, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Let's start at defensive end. Um, who do we want to count as a defensive end? You want to just count um, Patrick Sweet. Payton and George Wilson as, as and, defensive ends? And, 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 and Byron Turner. And Byron Turner. That's, yeah. that's how the defensive staff kind of address those guys as the three traditional edge rushers, Turner, Wilson, and Payton. And then Sean Bray Jackson and Joshua Farmer are more the big body types that can slide inside or outside. In a 3-4, they could certainly be an outside guy. In a 4-3, they can handle strong side, but they're probably more of a growing into an interior guy. Both of them have wide, big body frames, 6-3 plus, 250 plus each. Easily can put on weight, especially in the case of Farmer, who's really done a good job reorganizing his body. I think Jackson will get bigger, but I don't think he can get quite as big as Farmer can. One thing I found very interesting in Norvell speaking about that group yesterday, it's pretty evident that they want not necessarily lighter, but definitely more athletic, a little more light-footed defensive tackles, interior guys. So he was asked, would they take a true interior guy? And I think we're thinking more in the idea of a 6'2", 6'3", or bigger, 300-pound-plus kind of guy. He danced around it a bit. They would take a guy like Tywon Malone. But I don't think they think they just have to take a big body. I think they feel like – they really like their D-line hall, and I think they feel like it it covers the whole group as a whole. They love what they got at the edge, an area where they needed to get more athletic, more versatile guys who could pressure and pass, or an area where they had to drastically improve. But I think they like that group as an entirety. I think the edge is the highlight of the, the early signing period for them. To get George Wilson, as you guys predicted would happen, in addition to Patrick Payton about a week or two ago, those are two body types and skill sets that they did not have on the roster. Guys, do you know how many sacks they've had among their defensive ends this season total? Three. Yes. Did you read my article? No. no. Of course <laughs> I didn't read your article. <laughs> <laughs> do you know how many defensive ends have recorded a sack for Florida State this season? Two. Two. One, Janarius Robinson. Mr. Jay Robinson. Okay. I thought Kando may have had one in there. He had a tackle for loss last week. It was not a sack. It was not ruled a sack. So they needed to get 
speed and production on the edge. I, I think they nailed it with the high upside guys they got in all those three. Yeah, Peyton was introduced as a linebacker when they were doing a video, but uh, Fuller immediately corrected that and yes. said, you expect him to start at, start at Fox. Mm-hmm. Fox. Well, start, start learning at Fox, not start at Fox. Why not? Right. And maybe they did say that they – Everybody's been looking for a Fox all year. Maybe we just found them. We had to go down to Foxhole to find them. What does a Fox say? All right, Josh, continue. Oh, so D-line, we're going with one, Taiwan Malone being that one – or another big body D tackle, but I think Taiwan Malone's kind of a guy they have circled that they would love to add. He's supposed to visit in January right now. FSU Old Miss, I would argue, are the top two. Yes, once again, we're in a foil with Old Miss fun times. So we'll call that zero to one for a defensive line. I'd go hard one. I think would, they had would it. would you? Okay, so we know they need. Yeah, they need one more defensive tackle, right? That's the that's the hard one. But if they don't get Malone, do you think they're going to dip down and get like a flyer or like a Juco guy just to fill up a roster no, spot? Well, that's so. what the hard one would. I don't up. think there's a lot of great Juco defensive tackles. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they looked at a guy like Jalen Williams, a guy they like, like Icon, and they were never in love with any of them, it seemed. Mm-hmm. So do we think also, let's go back to edge rusher. Do we think that they're still trying to add a veteran edge rusher, whether he be because, you know, Byron Young was a guy that they thought was going to commit on December 23rd and make his decision, but he announced yesterday in Tennessee. Do they look for a veteran pass rusher either through the JUCO ranks or the transfer portal? I think it depends on what their current defensive ends do. If J-Rob, if if Kando and Warner, if all three of those guys leave, then yeah, then I think that opens up room for for exploring. And even though we're not sure what Curtis Fan's going to do moving forward, we're not sure what Quayshon Fuller's going to do moving forward. So there's a lot of variables to that group right now. What about Briggs? Do we know what he's going to do? Briggs, he's, Briggs will he's be in, here, but yeah, he's obviously he's in, slid more inside. Yes, Chris. I want to talk about Briggs, but you got it. Sorry. It's okay. Here's another interesting note. Patrick Payton is the fifth ranked, is the fifth best commitment in FSU's class. George Wilson is the sixth best commitment in FSU's class. And Byron Turner is the seventh best commitment in FSU's class. I'd argue that after Rod or two of those three are probably the second and third most important guys they signed yesterday. You mm-hmm. want to know my, my five favorites of this class? No. You guys do. Well, here they here we go. Rod Orr. Nobody asked you to know. Rod Orr. In no particular or, order. Order. <laughs> Rod Orr, Jackson West, Patrick Payton, George Wilson. Um, I got, I can't think of the next one. You only put Jackson West in there to butter up to Chris. No, that is a that is a Chris special. I need though. Jackson West to be my bounce back after Carter Boat right field so miserably for me. <laughs> That's a toughie. <laughs> All right, let's move on to linebacker. Um, Wait, sorry, what was the number we settled on? I'm, I'm keeping score one. for defense. One for defensive tackle. Yeah, okay. one defensive tackle and a, a veteran DN would kind of be a luxury. We're not going to count that as a need right now. We'll do a zero to one, and I'll put it in parentheses. Okay, we're going to move to linebacker real quick. Um, Florida State signed one linebacker in Jordan Eubanks. Well, they introduced um, Shaheen Brown as a linebacker. That's interesting. So they actually introduced three linebackers. We know. Did one they correct the Shaheen Brown to D back, or did they well, just only speak when, about him? When Fuller spoke on him, he's like, he's got a frame to fill out. We're kind of going to see what he becomes essentially as he grows. Will he be a safety? Will he be an outside backer? He was not referred to as a cornerback. Yeah, he's point. definitely a middle of the field kind of guy. Right. And he comes in at six foot one and 185 pounds. Um, 
I see, I don't, I don't see him putting on the weight to become a linebacker anytime soon. Um, I talked to Shaheen Brown when he committed, he thought he was going to play in the secondary for Florida state. He told me corner. Um, I think it's probably more like safety, like you said, somewhere in the middle of the field. Um, but yeah, so Florida state signed really didn't sign a true linebacker. Would you say, would you consider Jordan Eubanks a true linebacker? He's a safety transitioning to linebacker. Eubanks is a guy who gets a lot of criticism in the class and his film, you know, you watch it. I don't know. I've never left his film thinking, man, I love this kid just to be perfectly honest about it. But the way Fuller spoke about him yesterday was he's a kid that's comfortable in space, but willing to hit. They believe he'll transition body wise into being more of a linebacker. Uh, Beyond that, he also comes from a pretty good program in Texas. They were familiar with him. You know, they had a lot of background on him. He wasn't a guy they just took a flyer on. He was someone they kind of knew about before they offered and then obviously took. So I think the jury's out on that one, but they believe it. I think he is a guy they view as a linebacker who can do a lot of work away from the line of scrimmage, but is not a liability if he has to do stuff towards the line of scrimmage as far as being physical as he develops. I will say that I'm with you, Chris. Like, I don't love him either from the athletic profile, even even physically. He's not like a super hard hitter, but he does make a lot of good things happen. He's around the football a lot, caused a lot of fumbles, uh, deflects ball to where you know, teammates get interceptions, makes a lot of plays on special teams. So I, I think that's kind of a a baseline safe take for them is, is how it's being viewed. So what's the verdict moving forward? Um, we, we know they need at least one linebacker. Where do they find that linebacker? What's ideal? It, probably not the high school ranks, right? So now we're looking at either JUCO or transfer portal. Well, they, they like what they have with the younger guys, with DJ Lundy. And which, is why, which is why they kind of have to be picky, right? Because they can't just take a body to take a body. They don't need a body. If they're going to take another linebacker, they need somebody that can come in and make an impact. They currently have 10 accounted for right now at linebacker. Uh, I expect that, though, to, to drop off by two or three in the near mm-hmm. future at the end of the season. So, so they will probably have to get some depth there, Josh, to your point, to, to kind of feel like they have you know, about eight to, to ten, for the, which is what they want. It's weird. Two years ago, we were celebrating how they restocked that room, and now the concern is that the guys who restocked it may not be part of it moving forward, potentially. Then them's the breaks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's a room that could see a lot of movement or very little movement. If it sees too much and get real thin on numbers, you know, I I think with the transfer portal, it's not solely going to be about taking veteran senior types. I think they're going to try to take some guys with two, three years of eligibility, kind of like Jay Sean Corbin last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think linebacker is a spot you could certainly see one of those middle-aged guys because you don't want to get enough freshmen necessarily because you do have Lundy and uh, Dix who are both true freshmen. And you may not necessarily want a senior because you want a guy you can have for a couple of years and develop in the middle to restock the roster. So they got 10 on the roster right now. They have Emmett Rice may come back, may not come back. Mm-hmm. I would lean towards probably thinking about coming back. Kevon Glenn under not really used. Um, who knows if he's still here next year. Then you got that trio of uh, Jaleel McCray and Kalen Deloach along with Glenn. Who knows what's going to happen there? They're all guys who are kind of at that point where it's, you know, are you going to stick it and try to play, or do you think you go elsewhere to play more potentially? You could see all three guys leave, or you could see all three guys stay. I right. mean, that position is, is really an unknown. We've obviously Kalen talked about Brooks. Dick Lundy, uh, DeKalen Brooks, who mm-hmm. really hasn't been used much at all this year, Murray Gaynor, who at this point we expect back and is obviously a pivotal piece of what they do at the position. 
And then Jayon McCluster, who kind of made his debut to some degree last week on special teams. I think McCluster can be a piece of the puzzle moving forward as he develops. Yeah, they have nine technically on the roster right now, Josh. They will have 10 when Eubanks arose. And, of course, everyone can come back if they want to come back based on the NCAA rules for, for this year. No one loses eligibility. Out of the 10 that you just spoke of, how many do you think are actually here next year? Seven? Seven. If I had to pick a number without saying who's who. Uh, I think that may be optimistic. I think that may be optimistic. I think if you dip under – I think six is a, the basement number you can be at personally. I think you would prefer to probably be at eight. That's a position where it's so physical that injuries tend to pile up to some degree. It's six to seven as I'm looking at it. So so do we think – are we putting linebacker down as a need for one or zero to one depending on if you can get a, a – I Josh think kind of said a transfer type that, that brings value. I think it's a need for one just to protect yourself that – the bottom doesn't fall out and all of a sudden you're playing walk on linebackers next year because two guys have gotten hurt and you just don't have any depth. Right. And then there's a very good chance that Eubanks and um, Shaheem end up in the secondary. That's a place where you are. I think Eubanks is definitely going to be a backer. I, I didn't get the vibe and we're talking yesterday that he thinks he's going to play in the back end. I thought he did with Brown, depending on body development. I did not with Eubanks. Um, plus Eubanks, Eubanks' father looks enormous after that photo yesterday. So I have hopes that the buffet may pay off. <laughs> Eubanks isn't um, twitchy enough to play in the secondary. I, that's a position where you have to hope the coaching staff, top to bottom from Norvell to Merv and everybody in between that deals with them, that they have a good read for what they expect of guys with the sense of moving forward. Let's move on to secondary. Florida State signed three in the secondary that we – that we can pencil in Hunter Washington, four-star player, the top 250 player in the country. He was also FSU's top rated signee in the 2021 class. Along with him, Amari and Cooper, there was rumors. There were so many rumors with Amari and Cooper. One, that he was going to flip to Michigan. Two, that he wasn't going to sign in February. Um, he told Zach Blostein of Knowles 24-7 late last week that he would be signing early. And then he spurned Michigan at the end and inked with Florida State yesterday. Um, he's the second DB in the class. The third DB in the class is Kevin Knowles out of MacArthur down in Hollywood, Florida. Um, those are the three. And then you could also add Shaheem Brown if you really want to, to make four. Um, but let's call it a class of three. So moving forward, what does FSU need? Well, they're losing Asante, obviously. I. I it's a position where I don't feel like they have to take another guy. But they may need to because, I mean, look at them right now. They're playing with basically three or four guys back there because of injuries and such. So, mm -hmm. it, it, I don't know. I'm uneasy about it. It's crazy because I feel like beginning of this year or even last year, they had like 15 DBs. Now we're talking about them basically having three with inserting four. That number is somewhere now in the middle. What is it on the scholarship count that you did? So, now so let's see. At safety, we have eight. As of right now, but Hampton Hazardine is part of that. We don't think that's going to happen moving forward. We think he'll be gone. Other than that, Renardo Green, Raymond Woody, Brendan Gant, Travis Jay, Jadarius Green McKnight, Sidney Williams, and I have Shaheem Brown at safety. What about Miko Dotson? Uh, so at cornerback, I have Miko Dotson. We have nine. Miko Dotson, Carlos Becker, Akeem Dent, Jerry and Jones, Jarvis Brownlee, Demory Tate, and the three freshman cornerbacks coming in that you mentioned, Josh Knowles, Cooper, and Washington. 
So um, corner, you basically have seven or eight that you can almost certainly count on being part of it next year. And safety, you're very young. You lose Hamps. Uh, Hunter Washington's a guy that gives you flexibility because he could play corner or safety. And that's the way Fuller referenced him yesterday. I think he's going to start out at corner, but he could certainly make that move. He has the skill set to handle both. So I don't, I don't know that they need another one. Mm-hmm. They may want a guy with some age in the safety group. Well, let's remember. Cornerback scares me. Let's remember, scare let's remember where this class stood. In, let's re- the defense back class stood for the last couple months. FSU was, was standing pat with where they were at, but they were willing to hold a spot for an elite DB. At the time, the focus was on Terry and Arnold. And that was like, Terry and Arnold will bust. But we knew they had room for one. So I think moving forward, probably the same mentality. If he's a guy that they view as, as an impact player, they'll probably take him. But I don't think they're going to take a, a, a body at the defensive back position just to take one. I would uh, take a guy who has the ability to play both, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I think that's what a value is. I would take a guy who's either a Juco or a transfer type. I don't think another freshman helps you as much unless it's a really special freshman. I agree. Um, I think you guys aren't you guys aren't scared about cornerback like I'm looking at it I'm not scared of it I am just concerned. don't think you're you're very good you're well, that scares me he's a stud I think Dotson's the guy who can step in and be a starter for him next year if he's healthy they like him a lot it's pretty clear in the way they talk about him mm-hmm. I think Brownlee's an excellent nickel type who can get away with being a true corner I don't love Jones at corner you know he's done nothing this year to yeah. ease my concerns about him at corner um Dent? So yeah, I get do you, do you I, love Dent? I mean, I hope he bounces back at some point, but he certainly had a miserable year when he was playing. So yeah, I guess corner is a concern. Thanks, Sinone. You walked me into concern. Good. I've made you anxious. If, so if, I, could, if I can make either one of you anxious on any given day, it's been been a win for me. So in the numbers game, I would say one. Yeah. Okay. Let's say one DB. All right. And somebody so. that could fit in anywhere. I agree. And uh, I think that's it for, the, for our game because we said they're not going to take any specialists, right? Yes. So let's, let's see then if this works, if we can make it work within the 9 to 10, all right? Uh, do you have your calculator? Um, his name's Chris Sneed. He's a human calculator. You ready, Chris? So Go ahead. At running back, we have one to two. At wide receiver, we have a hard three. It's Josh's nickname in college. Offensive tackle, two, two, three. I guess offensive line, two to three. Tight end, zero. Defensive tackle, a hard one. Defensive end is zero to one. Linebacker, one. Defensive back, after I scared Chris, one. So roughly 10 to 12 is what we're talking about in that group. So you got to shed a number somewhere. Um, Do we want to play that game? Where do you shed it? Well, Well, I think the offensive line, I think it's doubtful that they end up taking another developmental tackle. I think so that's you can probably shed one there and then running back maybe yeah maybe running Say back if we get if we get hardgrove you get your or, guy or wide receiver i don't know if it's realistic for them to get two before the the spring semester and again I the wide receiver could be like say they did get quack damn it quay davis if they did get him that's someone who it's not quad barnes <laughs> <laughs> if they got if they got quad barnes uh, that would be someone who would count kind of in the running back and wide receiver combination type, right? Like kind of like how they used Antonio Gibson at Memphis. I think that would be so, – so it could be someone like that who kind of fits both as a jack-of-all-trades type. Um, yeah, I, I think offense is 
five plus one with chemo being that plus one. And if chemo goes away, then it's just six. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a running back two to three receivers to one to two O-linemen, essentially, and you swing one of those. I think receiver is pretty important. That that position is going to get kind of dangerously thin quick. Unless they got to walk it on already is so good about, then I feel like you got to go with three. On it's defense, dangerously thin on talent. On defense, yes. I don't know that they take an DN. I think they like their young haul. I think they also have some optimism. They're going to at least split the difference and get one of those veterans back. Um, I do think an ID tackle is something they would like. I know they love Malone. He's a guy that they've invested a lot of time in. Linebacker probably depends on how that room shakes out more than anything, truthfully. If they don't lose anybody in that room, they don't need to take anybody in that room just to crowd it up, unless it's a guy that certainly can help them and help them immediately. And then DB, it's kind of the same thing. It sort of depends on how it shakes out. It also depends on if they have confidence about certain guys being better at corner next year than they were this year, combined with Dotson being healthy. And these are all the conversations they probably sit and have on the regular in their recruiting meetings. Over and over and over again. Do you think those meetings are two and a half hours a day or more? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it was it was I a think... it was a joke, Chris. It was a joke to the Jimbo Fisher ESPN oh. article with them saying they had two and a half hour meetings. If I have to explain it, we know it's hilarious. I think the portal is something that's intriguing to them, but I think they also don't want to get stuck where they're just taking something from the portal just to fill a need. But I think they do want to restock the middle age of the roster a bit with what they do on the back end of this class, because obviously the front end of this class is very young, other than Milton. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting climb to the end. You know, there's some targets that were very defined with Hargrove, Hill, Malone, or some of those types. Then after that, it's kind of open-ended to some degree. Speaking of restocked, <laughs> Brendan, are you all restocked after signing day at Market Square Liquors? I was thinking about going by tomorrow on Friday. Just, you know, it's been a hard week, and I'm pretty sure we're going to hit our bonus this month because we've kicked ass. So maybe, you know, a little treat yourself type of, type of deal at Market Square what, Liquors. What's a treat yourself type of day for you when you walk into Market Square Liquors? Uh, I go beeline straight to the bourbon in the very back, and I start from there, and then I kind of work my way back to the front of the store. I look at the scotch selection they have, and then I go over to their barrel pick selection, which I think that's where the treat myself uh, selection will end because they – uh, one thing they do incredibly well, uh, they do a lot of things really well, but but one of my favorite parts about going there is their barrel picks. They always have multiple special picks in stock. That's the reason why I love shopping there. They, they do a really great job with with making unique uh, flavor profiles and picking something that's a little different. Marcus Lakers, check them out. I was at Lofty Pursuits the other day, another fine Tallahassee establishment, mm-hmm. having some ice cream with the boys and the wife and looking, yearning across the street at Market Square. You wanted to go back and get that uh that Maduro or not the Maduro the what was it the Cigar City Brown Ale that, that treated yeah. you so well the Espresso it was the Espresso yeah, that was the Cubano yeah, Espresso I, I may uh, drop in and see if they have some of that before I venture to the in laws. Adam, mm. all right. Anything else we want to talk about today, Brandon? Just real quick as we kind of recap the numbers, mm-hmm. it made me feel very shocking, anxious that they they have a lot of work to do still and don't have a whole lot of wiggle room to do it. Like they have to be pretty precise and efficient, which maybe it's going to explain why they don't just jump on the first, you know, grad transfer guy in the market they, they go to, but they do still seem to have uh, 
about eight to ten holes to, to still yeah. kind of fill here before the season. Let's go over some portal news real quick. There's a couple offensive linemen that hit the portal yesterday. I think there's like a three-page thread on Knowles 24-7 about the pair of Virginia Tech offensive linemen. Nobody recruits like the website, man. I can confirm that Florida State will not pursue either Virginia Tech uh, prospect, mainly because they're both guards. Um, we wrote a story on – I can't even remember his first name now, but Horst – Hurst was his last name from Arkansas State. Arkansas State is all I knew. I, I that sounds remember. right. They're they're just we're, they're just names and or not even names. They're just numbers in schools at this point. We don't know anything about them. He was another name that was brought up on the Knowles twenty four seven message board that was like two or three pages long. Dude, I had someone text me in the middle of recording this. A, a Temple transfer entered the portal, and they texted me asking for PFF numbers. Well, so. I can tell you that Florida State will not be pursuing the Arkansas State transfer. Um, there was a report from another website that ULM transfer Sam Williams was going to transfer to Florida State and that it was essentially a done deal. It was about a week ago. It's funny we haven't heard anything on that from that other site. Um, but as of this morning, and I wrote on Knowles 24-7 last week, Florida State will not be taking ULM offensive tackle transfer Sam Williams. Um, I would say right now, as it stands, there's no offensive lineman in the portal that Florida State is currently active with in recruiting. Um, you know who entered the portal that I do like? Who? Mark Anthony Richards. The running back? Yeah, he's the brother of the former Richards that played at uh, UM, who I believe ended his career because of injury. He's an Auburn kid, talented back. He's versatile. He's a real good football player. He, Auburn's running back, Tank, is obviously an animal, and I think that kind of reduced the kid's opportunities at bats. But he's a versatile kid. I, I just – I like him. I, I, I think Hargrove is obviously numero uno for them, but if they wanted to look portal for back – I like that kid a lot personally. Was he was he married to Cleopatra at one point? I I thought it was an I actor for like the nineteen eighties. Who's the kid from Breakfast Club? <laughs> Who's in Breakfast Club? Anthony something. Uh, Mark Anthony was the greatest uh, Roman general. One of. In your mind, can we do a power ranking? <clears throat> Didn't our version of Mark Anthony also marry Jennifer Lopez? I mean, in that way, that's, that's, a, that's a victory. If oh, it's Mark else. Anthony. I thought it was Mark Antony. My bad. I think anyway. it is Anthony, actually. I, I think it does uh, forget the H. Some of his most recent follows includes, oh, uh, I won't say it, but it's a competing website that we have a fine relationship with, but, but I don't want to shout out competition. And then uh, Jeremy Smith, who is a uh, recruiting assistant assistant for FSU. All right, you guys got to quit, quit connecting the dots over here. Can we end this show? Followers that I know. Brendan, you, Brendan, Brendan likes to play follow the follows in our group DM, which is fine, but I don't think uh, the people find this nearly as in as exciting as you do. What are you talking about? There was like a thousand, like thousand page views. Oh, never mind. I can't. Edit it out, Junior. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> We had a whole a whole running story when Mike Norvell first got here about follow the follows. It would get like a hundred thousand page views and like thousands of responses. Yeah. All right. And so they like it. Next FSU sporting event is basketball in action on Saturday oh night God. against UCF. 
Hey. Who do they play? No, that's the next, a, the next. Hey, listen, the next FSU. We haven't talked about it. The next FSU oh, yeah. sporting football event is they're playing Wake Denver. Forest on Saturday. Can you, Jesus. Can, can you tell them out of practice with football at this point? It's just like it's December. It should be a ball game or nothing. Do we want to do predictions? On no. What? <laughs> I forgot they were playing. <laughs> Are they going to play? Uh, as of right now, that's the plan. It's Thursday. We got to know by tonight. Uh, uh, so there was some uh, – I don't know how much to they say. They have to know before they travel tomorrow. I think they're going to let Florida State land and say, gotcha. <laughs> Dabo's going to show up out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> that was more Jimbo than Dabo. It was. I couldn't do it. Let's just end the podcast. All right. For Christy, for Brett and Sinone, I am Josh Newberg, and thank you for listening to On the Bench. Cool. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.